Hello and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. Okay. Hey, Ken. Welcome back. Seth, it's good to see you again. Good to see you as well. That was a great conversation last time. Thanks so much for... uh, opening us up last time about the the idea about rivalries and competition and what's healthy creating, what's not yeah what's healthy what's not not yeah. having enemies like that's that's a really important piece and that piece about you know we keep coming back to this subversive idea how do i create a different kind of culture how do i have influence without the organization you know and some of the things you know we talked about yesterday might seem a little surprising like this idea of like okay do you have a rivalry what are you learning from that rivalry? How are you working with it? That's yeah, great. are you learning about it? It was really great. You know, so I, I sat here and as we were getting ready for the session, I did what I don't think I've shared with the with the listeners before, but my podcast ritual is to fill up my tea, right? Which is really weird because I'm not a big tea drinker, right? But but it, since season one, I know you always had tea around, and I always sit down and I fill up my tea and I think about I think about our conversations and about what we're gonna you know what we're gonna dig into, and this time. You know, we talked about kind of the, the, the benefit you could get from the healthy competition, the rivalry, what are you learning? And I said I wanted to really dig into the joy, yeah. the fun that we find in our work. This, this is actually, I, I want to segue from that yeah. to a question I have for you. All right. Why are you doing this? Uh, my tea? Why, why, why are you doing this podcast? You know, you're, you're, you, you got a lot going on. You got a lot of different hobbies. You got a lot of things that you're interested in. I do have hobbies. Right? So what, so what is it about this? Why did you agree to do this with me? Well, and I could flip the question, and I will. So the, the danger here is I'm going to ask you the same question in return. All right? Fair is fair. Um, but this is actually one of the things, and actually is, it really does dovetail into this topic of the joy we find in work. Um, is one of the things that I have found that I enjoy most mm-hmm. about my role as a leader is thinking about and and often thinking out loud about, increasingly, I would say, thinking out loud about the kind of organization that I want to be a part of. Right. That I want to create and contribute to. Right. And what I found, this is just my own personal experience, so your mileage may vary, but what I found is that when I talk about it out loud, it actually happens more quickly. Mm. When I share, it's funny because, you know, as, as a, I don't know, mid-level leader, you think about what kind of organization you want to be a part of, and maybe you don't feel comfortable mm. creating that conversation. And really a conversation, like this is, I don't think I've got all the answers, and, you know, this is my idea, and I've got a template, and I've drawn up a roadmap, and we're going to do this. Um, but really creating a conversation around it, I found that it's a really powerful way to create the movement towards that. Yeah. And so that was, that was really, you know, along with, I don't know, wanting to share a couple of my scars and kind of the <laughs> learnings along the way, 
was really the genesis of why you and I, I mean, you've, you and I have done so much work in this space and culture shaping and change management and, and yeah. you know, communication and such that I thought this would just be a great way to continue that conversation. Yeah. And yeah. I found it to be, the reason I wanted to do season two and I was so happy was I really had a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. In season one right. of right. actually creating, carving out time in our calendars to have the conversations that you and I have anyway, but yep. hit record. Right. And then get feedback. And what I found so uh, satisfying, fulfilling in that process was we really did. We got Absolutely. feedback from lots of different places of, oh, this was my experience with that. Or, oh, thank you for sharing that. Or, oh, I didn't know somebody else, you know, was kind of dealing with that. Mm. And that was really, really uh, satisfying. It was really gratifying. So why, how about you? Why, why do you do this thing that we're doing? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I mean, on, on a very basic level, you know, I feel like I, I ought to be doing stuff like this. Like I sort of, I, it feels, and this is, I'm going to talk about uh, two sides of my mouth here. Mm. Like one thing is like, it feels a little bit obligatory. Like I, like, where's your podcast kind of thing? Like, or, you know, you're, <laughs> you're this, you're that, you say, like, we're, you know, you have to, and 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 there there can be a little like when I talk to people they're like you should do this you should you know write a book you should do the podcast you should you know <laughs> blah, 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 the blogs and the newsletters and like and I, you know that stuff can feel a little bit like a burden one of the reasons why and I did try to do it on my own I did a podcast on my own it was great um, I listened to it yeah I appreciate that it wasn't as much fun like like what I enjoyed about doing this with you what I enjoy about doing this with you was that. I think just being able to have the conversation, being in dialogue about this, I learned something. I also, I get to kind of feed a little bit off of your enthusiasm for the work. You know, not, not like for me, the work can be a little abstract sometimes. Like mm -hmm. I'm helping leaders figure out how to do, but I'm not actually like in the trenches doing the thing. You're in the, you're working with people in the trenches doing the thing. And, and sometimes I get like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, this is really helpful. Boy, you just said something that, and I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to capture that thing you said, which is you tried it one way. You tried a thing one way, and this was creating. And I and I love this format as well. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I love the the format of consuming content, you know, and things that help me think in this way. So I love the format. But you said you tried it. Uh, and and it was good. I listened, as I said, Into the Wolf, the podcast that is now a book or coming right. out as a book. Um, but you didn't enjoy it as much. Right. And so then you came back at it and we tried it together, this thing that we're doing. It's not personal and it's more fun. Right. And I wanted to capture that because that's a really interesting, you said it kind of felt obligatory. You, part of your job, part of the space that you're working in was to create content for leaders and for others that your clientele, right? You're building, you, you have a business and you want to continue mm. to grow and expand. And so this was part of the job was to create this content and you tried it and you did create the content, but you didn't enjoy it as much and yeah. you found a different way. Right. And boy, that is at the nut of what I wanted to talk about today yeah. is yeah. lots of us. There's a lot of things we all have to do. Oh, there's stuff I got to do. And, and we call it work for a reason. Like yeah. we don't call yeah. it play. I mean, if I had won the $1.3 billion mega millions, you know, would I still be doing this? Maybe yeah. I probably would have driven here in a better truck, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but you know, 
I could choose to do this. I could I could do it in a way that gets the job done. Right. Or and a lot of things I do. By the way, there's a lot of stuff <clears throat> parts of my job that I just do it because you got to do it, and it's like I don't have to find joy in this. I just got to get it done. But parts of my job, I can choose. Yeah. To do it in a way that I enjoy. And I can, and, and parts of my team's job, parts of my organization's job, I can help them find ways to do it in a way that's fun, mm. you know, and fulfilling mm. and satisfying. Let's talk about those words. Like, there's satisfaction from a job well done. I think it's a saying. Um, but there's fun. It ought to be. If it should be. <laughs> yes. Somebody should coin that. But there's also fun in the job. And. I, I know people that will actually tell you it's like if you're having fun at work, you're not doing it right. You're not working hard enough. You're right. not. And, and <laughs> I think that's a pretty twisted worldview, yeah. frankly, because if I got to show up and do this every day, I might as well have fun with it. Yeah. Well, I think I think so. There's some psychological profile stuff going on in those things. Like I think some people some people really enjoy the grind. Yeah. They just like the grind. They, that is fun for them. It's not 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 for me. Like I don't <laughs> I don't love the grind. Oh, to go on the record as saying it's not for me. Either. Yeah, right. So, um, but there are things that you have to grind out. Like there are th- yeah. things you have to do. Um, how do I make it interesting? How do I make it engaging? How do I make it something connected to a sense of play? I mean, you use that word, right? Mm. Like bringing some sense of play into the work that we do. Um, by play, I don't mean frivolousness. Right. I, I mean, there's just a playfulness that could be there. And how do I do that, right? How do I do that in a way that is responsible, in a way that is actually connected to the work I do? Um, how do I create fulfillment? How do I uh, feel inspired by the work? Oh, I love that word, the inspired part, because that's a big part of it for me, mm. is the fun is actually inspiring. Mm. Like I actually, I, I want to want to work with the people that I work with. Yeah. Let me say that again. I want to want to work with the people that I work with. So to do that, I have to, you know, we've talked a lot about culture and having a healthy culture, but it's got to be enjoyable. Like it's got to be in some way inspiring to want to come back at it. And and I think the key to that, and I was thinking about some of the videos that you do for your teams, um, to, to communicate during, especially during the pandemic. I know you still do them, but but mm. especially during the pandemic, you know, it's got to be authentic too. The more like genuine it feels, the more the I don't know. It's like it brings it it brings everybody a little bit more into the mix. It brings everybody a little bit more. I remember you doing a video talking about I don't know if you were talking about the quarter or about the results, but you were like in your. Um, I don't know if you were in your chicken coop or you were you were in like the <laughs> with stalls. the pig stalls and you were like doing you were haying the stall and like and it was it was so and I'm gonna say it this way not critically but it was like so ridiculous <laughs> to see the CIO you know haying the pig stall while talking about you know the the objectives and all the stuff about the the, the technology. something about the juxtaposition juxtaposition of, like of those pig things. poop and, and but talking was, about technology it was fun it was fun without it being frivolous without it being something that was like you know where it's like just dis- so disconnected where it was like what is it cuz it was you you were you didn't rent a pig stall <laughs> to go do this thing no, it was literally I, I your actually pig, had stall. pig stalls yeah um can you imagine trying to rent a pig stall you know and it was actually learning from the pandemic 
um, where, you know, in the first weeks, and we've touched on this, oh, multiple times, but, you know, the first white-knuckled weeks yeah. of all of us being afraid. Right. Honestly afraid. Uh, and I'll put myself in that bucket as much as anybody else, afraid of a number of things, afraid for our own health, our family's health, right. afraid for the company, the results, our customer, like, you know, fear. Right. right. Genuine fear and stress. So what's the counter, what's the what's the antidote to stress of that kind? Well, having a little fun and vulnerability and authenticity really became more important. And what was interesting was, and I think I might have touched on this before, but I think through that process, you know, I used to get feedback um, from people I work with. When back in the old days, the before times, when you go into the office and, you know, I always wore a suit. I used to wear a suit and tie because I was the culture. Right. And, you know, your interactions are either I'm walking by in the hallway, probably with my face buried in my phone, figuring out where I'm supposed to be or in a meeting, you know, kind of structure. And the feedback I would get was Ken's very formal. Right. Ken's very formal. <laughs> it always made me chuckle, but of course, but that was actually the persona I was putting on. Yeah. Right. That was the persona. And we've, we've touched on before some of the, the reasons why when you're unsure, I'm not going to say insecure, although that could be, but when you're unsure, right. then what you do is you put on this, this suit, this persona, this, this facade mm-hmm. of confidence with all the accessories that go with it. And it feels uh, scary to laugh, to have fun, to tease, to joke. Right, that's scary. Yo, you're so worried about losing your position. Yeah, you want to lose yeah. face. This is this is you know young new teachers, young teachers. Every, all the bo- all the men wear ties because they're a f- they're they they feel like the tie is going to give them some sort of authority, and you know it's like you're 24 and you're teaching and you're wearing a tie, thinking like this is it, like I'm a man now because I got a tie on. Yeah. But like when you've been ta- teaching for a few years, you ditch the tie usually because you're like. Mm, that wasn't it. Yeah, and there, I mean, I want to. I want to be clear. I want to actually. I should preface part of our conversation by saying there is a, there's a skill in knowing the time and place. Right. <laughs> so, right. so there's good judgment to be had here. You know, it's not jokey joke all the time when you're dealing with a serious matter, of course. But and there is authority and, and other things that go along with it. But actually, being yourself, and this was part of the feedback again, the pandemic and the pig stall story was the feedback I got after you know, through the pandemic and through just having a little fun with the way that I'm communicating. And I'm constantly experimenting with the way that I communicate with my distributed organization constantly. Like, um, oh, I got two stories here. But constantly, you know, one, we play music, we do, you know, jokes. Yeah, you you did a great, like, musical uh, mishmash. The feedback I got from the team was just much more personal. Mm. You know, suddenly I wasn't hiding behind, and say that word, you know, on purpose, hiding behind the office persona yeah. of an executive or a leader. I was just being myself. Yeah. And, you know, sharing. Now, one of the other things I did, this was, and again, know your time and place and know your audience, but I'll, I'll share another fun story. Because I really do think you got to, and this is, this is the ways that I do this kind of stuff. So everybody's going to have their own way to bring fun into the organization, but... You know, in my organization, as many organizations, uh, you produce reports. We produce a lot of PowerPoints. Yeah. 
you know, in slides and I'll have a deck every quarter that's, I don't know, 75, 80, 90 slides long. Yeah. yeah. And that we're doing a review of lots of material and it's always a narrated presentation. Let me direct your attention to slide, you know, 18. Mm -hmm. Right. And I started to get a sneaking suspicion that, cause we'd send it out as pre-reads, right. To the audience and et cetera. And I had a sneaking suspicion that not everybody was reading all the slides. Huh. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, I just, just sort just, of, oh, just, <laughs> not just, sure. Cause why they're doing their homework. Yeah. Why would they? So one, one time I, I, I snuck in and it was a really funny too because I kept sneaking in the slide. My team was developing the slide deck and, and in the back of the slide deck, as is you know often the case, there are many slides and charts, like graphs and charts. And um, so I snuck in a slide that was, oh, this is going to show how geeky I am. So, okay, back in the day, look, I'm in IT, all right? I wave my geek flag proudly. <laughs> But back in the day, when I was like 16, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. And so I snuck in a chart from one of the original Dungeons and Dragons to hit armor class zero, for those of you uh, <laughs> in the know, into like slide 60. I don't know, something like that. And I, I titled it. I was like, this is the D&D to hit armor class zero if you're an elf. <laughs> and in the so we got into the, to the room in the presentation. And we went through the whole presentation. It was a great, it was actually a great quarterly portfolio review and did an update. And then at the end, I turned to all my colleagues, CEO, CFO, you know, et cetera, chief operating officer. And I said, I know that y'all didn't read all my slides. I want you to look at slide 60 right now. <laughs> and, I, and my CFO, we're good friends, but he's just like, you are such a geek. <laughs> but here's what happened is every quarter thereafter, I've done something similar. Once I wrote a whole section of the slide deck in haiku. Yeah. Once I uh, yeah. included the recipe for corned beef. Yeah. Uh, once I, uh, you know, we just kind of like, we, we mix it up every time, include some fun. And I label the slide Easter egg. And what's happened is we've turned this into a game with the executives. Yeah. They go looking for it. So they actually read through all the slides because yeah. they're looking for the Easter egg. And they're proud and ping me when they found it. Ken, why, why do you think... What, what do you think allowed you to do that? Like, I, first of all, just for the audience, like, I wouldn't start your career. Don't start that way. Doing that, right? <laughs> why, why do you think it's okay? Why do you think it works for you? I, you know, so I think that, I think that once I had established trust and credibility, mm. and, you know, I took the approach to do something like that that didn't take away from the purpose of the meeting and the discussion, in that case, but that added a little bit of, Hey, we're all human and we all get a lot of content and we all get a lot to review. And I'm going to, I'm going to find a creative way to incense you to kind of look through this stuff and, you know, and, and just poke at one another. And, right. and I think it was, you know, it started with this, this, and we, we sort of touched on it in our, our last couple of conversations, but it started with this culture of we're all here for the same purpose. Mm. We can take ourselves a little seriously and sometimes a little too seriously. Well, I was going to say, so look, our, our purpose is serious. We're a healthcare organization, a technology organization. Our purpose for showing up is serious. But we can take ourselves a little too seriously, and we can forget that we're actually working with a bunch of other humans. Right, right. And we're human ourselves. Right. And it's okay for us to bring that humanity into the mm. meeting room, into yeah. the office, into the space. Well, not only is it okay, but it also... I don't know. I mean, you, 
it enlivens it a little bit. Like it creates a little more, it brings a little lightness into the, into the, the process, which is, you know, I mean, 75, 80 slides with backup slides. I mean, that's a yeah. lot to read. It's a lot. It's and a that's lot. not the only deck that they're reading. No, gosh, I know. We, we, we are definitely a PowerPoint culture, as I know many organizations are. And, and there's some things, you know, again, we've done to mix it up. But it was just one example of, and I, th- I guess over my career, I, I've taken this create your own fun a little bit more seriously. Mm. <laughs> Ironically, I take my create, your creating fun more seriously. Yeah. Um, well, more intentionally. More I, intentionally. I, mean, I don't know if That's you're serious word. about it, but like you're intentional. Like you're, you're not, you know, there's a thing about that where it's like sometimes we, we put the onus on the work to be fun. Yeah. Like we're like, no, no, no. Like what I do has to engage me, has to be like, objectively fun or objectively engaging. And I'll tell you something, you know, I don't know, like you ever like rented a bouncy house? Yeah. You ever rented a bounce and had it all day long. Like when you have the bouncy house all day long, like it's fun for a while. And then it's just like, I'm done. <laughs> right. You know, it's like things that seem like that are fun in short bursts. So you can turn any job, no matter what it is into a, like a pretty boring job. Yeah, it's just it's you have to like not externalize it. You have to think about like in, this is the intentionality that you described is like how can I bring some of myself to this? The D and D is a great example. Like how can I bring something that's authentic to me in a way that is both not disruptive, right? Mm-hmm. But it, not disruptive of the of the intention of the meeting, but is a little disruptive of the thing that like we're doing. So it's like a little bit like shocking or surprising. Yeah, I think, and when I say fun, I mean, I, you know, I use the example of what was actually a joke, right? That was, and so that was a type of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what you said about like, you know, how you phrased it, you know, what we're talking about in a way is fulfillment. Mm. It's fulfillment or inspiration. Yeah. And if it becomes rote and it becomes a, a drudge, if it becomes a grind, is the word you use, yeah. then I think any of us, like, you're going to lose the fun. You're going to lose the fulfillment. You could have started out really enjoying the job, but now it's a grind. Or an obligation. I think the idea obligation. that it's an obligation, the idea that, like, it's what becomes soul-sucking, I think, in the end is this idea that, like, I have to do this thing. Yeah. And it has to be done a certain way. And I've got to, like... Like you just, you're constantly feel like you're giving your essence to the thing you're doing and you're not really getting anything back. So right. when we talk about fulfillment, right? Right. That is something where like, I, I oftentimes talk to my clients, especially my individual clients, the ones who come to me, like they're sort of searching for something, mm. figuring out like, what do I, what do I do? I'm like, well, okay, well, what lights you up? Yeah. Do you know what lights you up? And and what's interesting is that the more logical, the more practical they are, the more they're thinking about like jobs. Yeah. Like I, I would want a job. It's all ego based. It's like I would like a job that's you know I'd be a concert promoter. It's like do you really want to be a concert promoter? Do you know anything about that job? Like, start with like something that actually you enjoy. Yeah. Like what is something you actually enjoy? And then you can kind of start to figure out okay, like what is it about what I'm doing, or what is it about these other work careers that I could think of where that might be a possibility. Yeah, I think that, that, that I love that too, because I see that I have those conversations. I was like, well, I want to be a director. I was like, okay, that's, that's not what you want to, that's a title. 
Yeah. That's not what you want to do. Right. That's not fulfilling. That's might be, you know, appreciated. It might be uh, or appreciate, uh, appreciated. Um, it might be, a, a, you know, a nice recognition, but that's going to last you for about a minute. Right. If right. That, if that long. If that long. Okay. What do you want to do? And what's fulfilling for you? What's fun for you? What's inspiring? I love the kind of, you know, the Marie Kondo. What sparks joy? Yeah. Hold it up. Does that spark joy? Because you're going to be doing it every day. Yeah. And how do you make that inspirational for yourself? And here's here's the other here's the secret that nobody says when you get into your work life, or very few people say this. Nobody else is gonna do it for you. No, no one's there to like. It's not it's not a camp director. No one's no. there to try to figure out how to make you enjoy your day. Yeah. That being said, as a leader, I do think about this for my own team, and I challenge myself. Am I setting them up to be fulfilled and inspired. But I can't do that unless I understand if it, what if, fulfills them and inspires them. If they're them. not like willing to, to be vulnerable or curious about what actually is fulfilling for themselves, that you're just going to be throwing stuff at a wall hoping it sticks. Like you're not yeah. going to actually be – you're going to be giving them D&D and they may <laughs> not actually care about that. And here's what I think the tr- my trick is. I'll say my trick. If I do it for myself mm. – yeah. Then I'm setting a pattern that others can, oh, if I want to be inspired, oh, I can make changes that actually help me enjoy this, help create inspiration, help fulfill me and want to come back the next yeah, day. Yeah, right. If I do it, I'm setting the permission for others to do And it was funny, too, because when I did the slide thing, actually the guy who was in charge of, like, you know, bringing the slides together, like, some jackass keeps putting the slide. And I was like, it's me. I'm the jackass. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, okay. But it was giving. I said, look, we can we can actually be a little creative here, where we can actually bring a little of ourselves into this conversation. Yeah. And and it was well received. You yeah. know, I got to say, like, just that bringing yourself, like the videos and the and the other stuff was bringing yourself in as a leader. If you don't do it, none of your team will. There's yeah. It's no no one's going to take that risk. And, and you have to, there are a lot of things in here that, you know, you're very skilled at this. There's a lot of things in here that we should just keep reminding people that it doesn't mean, you know, bring a, a 12 pack to work and, you know, have a party in your cubicle. Like that's not, that's <laughs> right. not, it, it's, that's it's not like responsible. Read, read, read the room, be responsible. Think about the end result. Think about like, like what is the thing, like what is the credibility you've created and what is actually fulfilling or interesting or exciting to you about this thing you're trying to do? Like what's playful about this thing you're the trying to do? The playfulness and the credibility, they do go together. Because I'll tell another story. I had a, a young, new employee and he, he, I don't know, went out on a couple days leave or something and he had his out of office email on. And he had this really sarcastic out of office, like, oh, thanks for your email. I don't get enough of those. I guess I'll read this when I get back. And I was like, well, okay. Tone deaf, right there. Yeah, I was right. like, you're 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 too new. You don't have the credibility to pull this off yet. I know where you're coming from. It was lighthearted, but others don't know you, and that comes across in black and white. And like, so there's some coaching involved here that I think is important. You got to be able that that navigating the 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 tone and the moments uh, is really important to this. Once you can do that, once you have that, that's where I actually think there's a surprising amount of room to bring personality into the leadership discussion. Yeah, and I think that's a good example. Like that example, uh, the sarcasm, you know, that that will actually play well on 
like Instagram. Yeah. Like that that will play well on Twitter, right? Yeah. Like that's a snarky kind of like, oh, this is the thing I left. And everyone's going to be like, ah, that's so funny. Like I, sh- I should do that. Like, But your point is, is like, yeah, that may play well in that community, but it's going to actually send the wrong message here. Yeah. A message that you don't care. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's not playful with the with your audience. It's actually judging your audience. Mm. It's actually making them feel small. So you're so this is like the kind of thing of like it's not fun if basically in order for you to do the thing or you to if you did the D and D thing but like your whole point was all of you are idiots for not knowing what D and D is that would not go over well. No, that one. And thanks for keep bringing up D and D. But <laughs> yeah, but actually in that case, what I did was I was basically making fun of myself. Yeah, there you go. Like, but in a very appropriate way, not in a way that says like, not in a way that says I don't know anything about tech. Right, right. Right. Or I don't really know what I'm doing. It's just like this is like something that I cared about as a kid and I'm going to bring it up because it's like, you know, I have depth of knowledge about it and I'm going to bring it up in here and I'm going to share that. And it's and it and it's funny. It's like so actually what the CFO's joke for you was saying like you're such a nerd, it actually f- builds your credibility because it it dovetails with the with sort of the persona that a CIO is going to have, which yeah. is that they actually know a lot about stuff. No, I, 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 I tried to, again, I built credibility and it. it was, it was appropriate to the moment in the audience. Yeah. And that, I think that, that example or that, that counter example of like, Hey, what's appropriate on Instagram? Not appropriate in right. you know, this space right. is a really important judgment call. I have in my office and, and I have this like a, it's like a, a stand for the computer. So it's both the, when I sit, the computer's more at my face. This is a mm-hmm. pandemic thing. And also I can stand at it and like put it, but I have on it, I sort of like hooked on it, uh, a clown's nose. And I keep it there because I'm, I want to always remind myself that there is a, the, the, sometimes the work that I do with people is very intimate. It's very serious. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes we're talking about you know, we're not talking about life or death, but a lot of times we're talking about people's careers. We're talking about, you know, the stake, what's at stake for their own organization, um, what's at stake for their people. And and it can get a little heavy sometimes. And I, and I like to keep that, I don't put the nose on when I'm like, you know, talking to people, but I, I always, I kind of touch it because I remind myself, like, is there a moment here where am I taking myself too seriously? Mm. Am I are are am I putting too much pressure on myself? Am I creating the impression that I have to be perfect? You know, one of the things that clowns are taught to do, which is to play in the tension of expectation. They're they're taught to like, you know, uh, what's going to happen next? You know, is the clown going to step through the door? Is the clown going to trip through the door? Like all this stuff, which is. You know, sounds silly when you say it out loud, but when you see a, a real good clown working on it, they're always, Steve Martin was good at this, yeah. always playing with the expectation. Where's the punchline? Where's the punchline? And he, he studied that. He was like, how do I tell a joke and never get to the punchline? Oh, he's scientific right? about it. And he took it. He, when you see him tell jokes, he's so serious, hmm. right? He's so serious about it. That it takes a long. And this actually almost ruined his career. You know, he was so serious about it that nobody knew when the joke was over. <laughs> so what happened was that he um, he talks about in his book Born Standing Up. He talks about how uh, he went so far in this direction 
where he found the fun in everything, that he would be with a group of friends and he would say things like, I think I want to go to the movies. You guys want to go to the movies? And everybody would start laughing. <laughs> you know, because they think he was kidding, right. right? And like, anyways, my point about this is to say, like, can I find this, like, this threshold where, you know, am I holding too tightly onto what I think is serious or important? Or am I able to find the playfulness in this moment? Well, within that Steve Martin story, you said something I think is really at the heart of this and why I'm more intentional about it than I've ever been is if I'm holding myself to this expectation of perfection, Mm. there's no playfulness in perfection. No. None. It's so fragile. It's very fragile. So fragile. And it's so draining. You know, none of us are perfect. You know, I believe that. And I mean, we can aspire to, to excel at our craft, whatever our craft is, excel as leaders. Um, but if we're holding ourselves to this unattainable standard, mm. there's absolutely zero room for humanity in that. There's no room for playfulness. There's no room for intimacy. There's no room for growth. There's no room for discovery. Yeah. There's no room for curiosity. It is like frozen and stuck in the mud. Oh, let's let's just drill in on that. So the 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 reason why I think it's fun or it's important to have fun, to have fulfillment, to have growth is because of the opportunity for discovery. Yeah. And, and that could be discovery of a new idea. That could be discovery of a new relationship. That could be discovery of a new opportunity. But really, it's creating that space Mm. and saying it's okay. It's okay Mm. for us to be imperfect. It's okay for us to poke at this. It's okay for, you know, this this playfulness in the the organization because that's where discovery happens. Mm. Like, we we actually get better together when we're – I mean, if you're – and again, I, I talk about fun and fulfillment, and it's fulfillment's the goal here. Fun's one of the way to get there. But if you're having a moment where we're actually genuinely sharing a laugh, yeah, we're actually closer. Like back to that oh, whole so unhealthy right. rivalry or competition in the room. If I can actually right. get to the point where you and I are sharing a moment, yeah, 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 we're closer. Now we've we've broken down something, some barrier, and now there's space for that discovery. Yeah, I decided. I just had a big sigh in that because that is like that is the thing, right? Like how how do we close that gap? I always talk about the gap that we have that we experience. Like we never really know what's in someone else's hearts. So we never know really what it's like to be another person. But how do we make that gap a little closer, a little a little more intimate? And and I think this this is like one of the keys, right? Like mm. how do I how do I bring a little bit more playfulness to this conversation? How do I bring a little more playfulness to my own sense of work, my own sense of being? And it's, um, it does. It does invite people in more. It does. Yeah, and I think, I think the challenge, and I see so many leaders struggling with this, is they feel like they won't be taken serious. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, I'm I mean, talking about formality, but this is about being taken serious. So true. I won't be taken serious. If I open with a joke, uh, although that's a trite formula, you know, to open with a joke. But if I if I slip something in here that's less than this is, you know, hundred percent perfect, focused, whatever. This gets back to the status thing. So one of the things, and I'll bring up the D and D again. One of the things that that you were <laughs> willing that you story. were willing to do is by bringing up the D and D. You actually like you played a little bit with status. You 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 opened up the doorway. For the CFO to call you a nerd, and you did it in a way that was intentional, 
so that like there was like this I am willing to play with that I, that is everything about jokes yeah. is about this you know this sense of playfulness is when you watch dogs play they're constantly playing with status. One, mm. The bigger dog will roll on its back and show its belly, and the smaller dog will be on top of mm. it, and then they'll roll back over. And that is that status play is really important. When we are insecure, when we're trying to hold on to our position, it gets really fragile, but it also gets really aggressive because we can't ever lower our status. Yeah, it's, it's, this, um, it's a leadership tool. I think that I think is is too often overlooked is to because you know again what's my job going back to that that episode we did that whole conversation we had about helping others grow and be better um, is essentially my job as a leader and if they're too afraid of me God, right right to speak up to treat me as a person as a human as a collaborator uh, to laugh at me to be laughed at a little bit, like to open ourselves up again, creating that space for discovery. If we never teach our leaders this, we never teach our leaders I'm, in any training I've ever taken. Has there ever been a course on yeah. humor and playfulness? I, I'm going to tell you that, 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 well, there are, but they're all like, they're all like in, in these improv classes and, and no mm. leader is going to do it because why? Because you'd have to take a risk. Yeah, You'd have to be willing to drop your status. And, and there's a thing in what you just said, if my team is afraid of me, I want to tell you something. Every leader I work with, I tell them, you're the one who's scared. Mm. You're scared, and therefore you're scary. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you can deal with your fear, and this is like the big thing, like the, um, the, uh, in, the, in the improv world, Keith Johnstone, again, I mentioned him last, last uh, episode, but he, he talks about uh, if we can see people in charge – fail happily yeah we we love them right we love it when people fail happily but it's very scary and there's a story about um bill clinton bill clinton was when he became president he was notorious like he everybody made fun of the fact that he would talk forever like he would give these long long talks and he was doing the comedy writer the comedy writers the writers um you know, they did that like writers awards thing where the, mm-hmm. you know, the president comes and does like a little talk and and he asked this one joke writer to this one writer who's who's you know telling jokes to like help him come up with something that's gonna really be interesting. And the guy, I can't remember his name, but he came up with this whole thing. He's like he's like, Okay, you're gonna start off your 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 talk and you're gonna put an egg timer on the the podium. And it's going to be this whole joke about the egg tamer. And Clinton goes, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 why? It'd be hilarious. Like, you're going to put an egg timer in there, and you're going to give this thing, and you give this talk, and the egg timer is going to go off, and you'll just stop, and it'll be great. And he's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. He's like, I'm going to write my own speech, and you're going to make it good. And the guy's like, look, we're just trying to, like, you got to make fun of yourself. Like, you don't understand. And Clinton wrote this speech, and it was all about, like, he just, it was just mean. Like, he's just tearing apart people in the audience. And the guy's like, this is not going to be funny. So he's, they're fighting about it. Clinton's like, we're doing it this way. He does his speech. It just totally bombs. Like everybody <laughs> in the audience is just like, what the hell is going on? And at the end of it, Clinton puts the egg timer on the thing, goes, there! He puts the egg timer at the end of the thing. It's like this long thing. And, it, and the writer who helped him just like thought that was just hilarious because Clinton at the time – 
didn't know how to give up any of his status. Yeah. He couldn't see at the time that that was going to be the key to his success. Yeah. Right? This is, no, it's just, this is the creating connection. And so, again, you know, for us as leaders, and that's, that's the, the audience for our podcast, right? It's not personal. For us as leaders, creating connection and creating this, even with, like, I lead an organization of several hundred people. I lead a large organization at this point. Do I know them all well? No, I don't. I know some better than others. You know, I work closer with some than others. It's natural. We're a distributed organization, as we've talked about. So I get to spend more time with some others. But what's really important to me is that they know me. Mm. Because I want them to feel connected to the mission and the purpose. Mm. And we always say that, connected to the mission and the purpose. But the reality is every organization, every organization I've ever been a part of is made up of people. Mm. And if you don't feel connected to the people Mm. as well as the mission and the purpose, it really... that's when you get into the grind. It's it's yeah. I mean, people, you know, connecting to purpose. I'm gonna just say this: like, the, pirates are connected to a purpose, <laughs> right? You know, like right. like there's we we make this out to be some kind of magical thing, right? right? Terrorists are connected to a purpose. <laughs> like it's it is it is not the be all end all, right? We have to like we have to figure out a set of values, a set of like you know, goals, things that like, you know, can we rally around? And then ultimately, like, how do we feel about each other? Right. right? And I want to be there and I want to come back the next day and connect the next day with these people. And so that's where the, the, the fun and the fulfillment comes in is creating space for that playfulness, creating space for that back and forth and that vulnerability and that opportunity to laugh a little, yeah. like share moments with yeah. other people that we work with. That's really important. And I think the, the organizations that don't do that, that are very, I use this word even though I've, I've worked in pharmaceutical, it's got a different meaning there, but a very clinical organization, mm-hmm. yeah, a dispassionate organization. Yeah. That's where that comes from, right? The clinical sense is like you have to take the emotion right. out of it right. or initially that's, that's what the they healthy thought. application of that. Right. But it, I mean, you know, the big blue machine that was IBM in the yeah. 80s and, the, you know, the stereotypes of it. Uh, you know, red tie, whatever, but everybody was kind of just a cog in the machine. You know, look, they were very successful at what they did, and they, they really did generate a machine. I don't want to be a part of that kind of organization. And most people that I talk to don't either. I feel like we've done a lot of work on this. Like, as I feel like work, you know, what we think of as work has evolved yeah. since then. So you think about the 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. 70s and 80s, like what was expected of workers, what was expected of a company man, a company woman, like, you know, that, that has evolved. The problem is, to, to, if I were to articulate, you know, the work I do, and the things that you're sort of pointing at, is that there's never really been in all those MBA classes, mm. they don't really teach you how to lower your status. They don't really teach you how to be playful. They don't teach you how to like the the value of showing your humanity. That's not that's not embedded in an MBA program, as far as I can tell. No, and I think I think you're 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 onto something here, which is I think we all recognize that the nature of most organizations and work has changed and evolved since yeah. that factory mindset. Uh, which, you know, even in a knowledge work company like IBM, which in its heyday, you know, had a factory work mindset. Yeah, um, right. 
you know, and it was, it, it's, it's a very different set of expectations now. We've talked a little bit, we've touched on in, in, in previous conversations around the generational differences that are coming in. What are the expectations? And I think this is, this is just, this is why this podcast, why the It's Not Personal and bringing humanity into the work, why it's timely for now. Yeah. This is not a conversation that we would have had 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Even this is a even conversation 10 years today. ago. This is a this would have been a little weird, right? It would have like, been a little weird, a little, a little weird. out there. But I think this is the as we think about what do successful organizations that grow and thrive in periods of change. And I've talked about you know, we touched last we touched previously on resilience. Yeah. Hey, guess what? You know what the most resilient families are? Families that actually enjoy being together, can kid each other, have that that trust relationship, that vulnerable human humanity. You know what the yeah. most resilient organizations are? The same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing about being able to I, I want to be really careful how I say this, but like being able to tease each other mm. without being mean, you know, without trying to tear each other down. And that ability to take it and give it and take it and give it creates a, a equality, a sense of, e- of, fa- of like equalness within the organization because everyone's willing to lose their status a little bit. Everyone's willing to like nobody is like so scared that they may be seen as weak or they may be seen as less than important that they're going to tear somebody apart for making fun of their haircut. Yeah, actually, I, I mentioned before that one of the practices that we started years ago, before the pandemic, was a monthly open Q&A. Yeah. And it wasn't that long ago. It was a few months ago. One question from, again, they're anonymous. I don't know where it came from, but somebody in the team asked, how did the senior staff, how do our leaders deal with stress? Mm. And, and our answer, it's always kind of an open, like any leader can answer these questions. But... Uh, Somebody said, there are a lot of jokes. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of jokes. That's right. one of the ways we deal with stress is because we know each other well enough. We can joke with one another. We can tease one another. Right. And to, to your point, when we tease, you have to know each other well enough to know what the what the limits are, right. or what the soft spots the are, hot buttons what are. the hot you don't buttons go, you are. Don't go to the... So, okay, well, to do that, we've actually got to get to know each other. Yeah. And so, and again, this is where I just go back to this whole creating a space for discovery and connection through it's so fun it, and fulfillment and humor and, you know, all these human things. It's so great that you're, we're talking about this. I have had relationships, long relationships with people where you couldn't tease them. Oh, right. And it, it made it awkward Yeah. because you, you couldn't ever relieve any of the stress. Yeah. Like in the, in the positional the positional sort of fixed it. It was fixed, right? Like it was like there was always, you know, if somebody made a mistake, you couldn't be like, you couldn't even bring it up, right? Yeah. Because it was like ah, like you're 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 almost like afraid. You know, that fragility we talked about, that perfectionism, yeah. you're almost afraid to say anything. I think I think your point about the status and playing with status and recognizing, and, and maybe I don't consciously think about it, but. I think this is the key for leaders, and this is the challenge to our listeners, is, you know, how are you, in order for you to create a resilient organization that is connecting on a human level, Mm. this is one of those aspects of humanity that has to be part of the organizational culture. And it's got to start with you. 
It's got to start with you. You've yeah. got to be, if you are somebody, if you're self-aware enough to know that like you don't deal well with being teased and maybe don't get me wrong. There's things like, I don't like to be teased about my banjo playing, you know? So like, maybe that's my soft spot. I just like, that's eh, not, that's not the funny thing. But maybe I could be teased about everything else. I don't. How, know. how about this? How about this? If you're not willing to lower your status at all. By the way, I am as a banjo player. I'm. I just. It comes with the territory being teased about banjo playing. Yeah. yeah but anyway, yeah. okay. <laughs> but go ahead. No, yeah. if you're not being willing to, to to lower your status at all, and like lower your status is, um, you know, just even saying, I didn't know that. Yeah. If you're not willing to say I didn't know that in a public forum. Or I don't know in a public forum. Like I'm just gonna say right now, that's a big red flag. For that's you. a big red flag. You're you're gonna always struggle because if you if you're if you're unable to get there yourself, and you look at your organization, it's like why is my organization not resilient? Why is my organization not engaged? Why is my organization right. not fulfilled? This is the disconnect. Yeah. It's it is very. Our, our, <laughs> the title of our podcast is it's not personal. Right. This is very personal. Yes. This is, but what it is, is it's actually taking your ego out, being willing to lower your own status and saying, I want to create this result. Therefore, I got to start the, I got to be the change I want to see. Yeah. Right. I got to start yeah. it and actually demonstrate and demonstrate within what the boundaries are as well. Like I, I do yeah. poke fun, have fun, make jokes, but I do it within these boundaries that say, this is the respectful fun. This is the constructive fun. These are areas that we don't poke fun at. Yeah. You know, these are things that yeah. we don't do. And yeah. I do that by modeling it and putting myself on the line a little bit. Putting being, yourself on the line and putting yourself in what I love about the way you put yourself on the line, Ken, is you do it in a way that you never you never give up your authority. So there's a thing I would want to just put mm. on the table here. There's a difference between status and authority. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's a good one. Because say more about that. You, well, you you can lower your status like that big dog and the little dog. Like mm-hmm. the big dog is never not being a big dog. It's right. oh, it knows it's the big dog. It right. knows it could tear the little dog apart, but it lowers its status because it's more fun when the little dog gets to win. Like it's more, it's more playful, right? Yeah. But like a lot of times we equate our our positional authority, our positional authority, which is status related, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a director, I'm a senior director, I'm a VP, I'm a EVP, whatever the thing is, right? Like, how dare you talk to me that way? How dare you ask me that question? Mm. Like, if you're thinking that thought, you've got an issue, mm. right? That Q&A you do where you let people ask you anything, that I'm, there are people listening to this right now who are like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would never do that, right? I would never do that because people might ask me anything. Yeah, and I had a conversation. This goes back to previous organizations, but I had a conversation, and I – Another leader said, I would never do it that way. It could never be anonymous. I said, well, why is that? And I said, because I always want people to own the question, to take responsibility for the question. And I said, well, but you have status that's scary to ask hard questions of. Yeah. And so I'm trying to take away the fear element of being Absolutely. able to ask hard questions. So that thing you just said, that take away the fear, that is that is ultimately, I mean, uh, Every teacher in the world, if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, that's the thing. Yeah. How can I take away the fear? All those kids, all those employees who work for you, they are scared. Most of them are scared to really, they're not sure it's safe for them to ask questions. They're not sure it's safe for them not to know. They're not sure it's, they're not really sure. Are you a human being? 
Right. Right. Are you a real human being? Are you going to treat them with caring and compassion? Like, yeah. are you going to do? And like, by opening up the door, by by allowing, by allowing yourself to, by saying, "I am not scared." to be asked these questions, you create a culture where the culture might be a little bit more um, resilient. Well, and here's the other thing, and I think this is, this is the selfish aspect of it that I, I do wanna acknowledge, whether you're a teacher, you're a leader, you're whoever you are listening, sometimes the work is exhausting. Yeah. And you gotta find ways to refill your tank, Yeah. you know, so you can come back at it. And I talked about the inspiration to come back the next day and the fulfillment. And I mean, it's just, it's true for me too. Sometimes the work is exhausting for whatever reason, stressful, you know, people issues, I don't know, uh, expense challenges, you know, we, we all deal with whatever. And creating a little, having a little fun, not only do you create this space and this connection and you remove the fear, you create safety, which we've mm. talked about, but it also refills your tank. Yes. Just a little bit. You know, that laughter, that shared laughter is, we're humans. It's going to refill your tank, too. And you can't serve others if you're exhausted. Ah, so true. You can't serve others if you're exhausted. You can't serve others if you're straining all the time. Yeah. Right? Straining to hold. And again, I know I'm I'm beating this drum, but straining to hold on to that status position. Yeah, and I think this is the the thing that I I encourage. Or I actually ask this question of my my leaders, my organization. What fun are you creating for yourself? Hmm. And, 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 oh, believe me, I get all kinds of different answers because fun and fulfillment, like, hey, I'm going to go learn this new thing. I'm going to go take this AWS class. I'm going to go, you know, study, get an MBA. I have somebody on my team. He's like, she is enjoying the hell out of getting an MBA. And I'm like, awesome. Well done you. Yeah. (laughs) Come back and tell me what you know, what you learn. Um, You, but I think it, it is individual. But I think creating this, creating your own fun is, like I said, it's it's we as leaders can create the space for people to create their own fun, mm. but we can't do it for people. Nobody can do it for me. Yeah, the the, the what is it called? Like the the fun march or whatever they call the thing where like it's like everybody like mandatory fun. fun, mandatory fun. Like you know, we're gonna all do this thing. It'll be it so much works. fun. No, it never works. It's oh my gosh, yeah, that was true. It's I mean, I've had some great team building and fun kind of things, but yeah, it, there's there's it's difficult at scale to scale that and repeat that. And so I think this is yeah. this is kind of the challenge for leaders is how do we Did, start with ourselves? How do we start with ourselves and do what? Do and create create our own, understand what our own fun looks like. Right. Create that and set the example for others so you can create that space mm. for shared connection, you know, and individual fulfillment. There's a there's a principal of a school here in in Portland, and he is really good at this. Mm. He is he creates every event he has with the faculty and every event he has with the students. He makes fun, but he's very he's very efficient. He's very ordered. He's very like you know he has like an agenda. He he knows what he wants to accomplish, but he instills it with so much. Uh, humor and joy and fun and he has an improv background he's got all this stuff but he I think that I think the key to it is that he's willing to make himself vulnerable he's willing to put himself out there he's willing to actually he's like this is so much fun this Mm. thing we're doing like I like he genuinely is having fun and I think many of us myself included like that is 
like I'm not there yet. Like I want to get to that place where I can be like just a crowd of people and just be like, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be so much fun because I'm, I'm like, I can feel how fun this is and I'm going to instill this in all of you. Well, I think, you know, I, 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 my philosophy on this is <laughs> I got to wake up every day. I want to wake up every day. Yeah. And if I'm going to do that, I might as well enjoy it. Yeah. And so that might as well, okay, I got to find, I got to find a way to enjoy this thing that I'm doing because otherwise it is, it turns into the grind. Now, that being said, all that being said, and I love this discussion because this is something I, again, I, this is, I think a lot about the culture and the organization and leadership and you and I've talked about all those, but this is one that I challenge myself on. Like it's yeah, a deeply personal, right, right. deeply personal thing is how am I going to find the amusement so that I can be there for others and create space for them. But I want to flip it around next week. Next episode, we're going to talk about being the, when it's time to be the tough boss. Yeah. Right? Which is the flip side. We did this a couple times where we talk about one aspect of this, but then we flip it. And we want to talk about this too because it, you can't be the fun guy all the time. Right? You can't be the fun boss all the time. What's no. it like when you got to do that? What's the what's the cost? What's the expense? The personal expense as yeah, a leader of right. that? What's the consequence and what's the benefit why would you do it right what's the benefit why would you actually be the tough guy because you're the fun boss all the time yeah then you're creating a, a whole different set of problems yes so i can't wait to talk about that because that's the flip side and i think it's important as we, we as leaders we find the balance in these things so that people really you know um i think have the space to grow and we we, we go back to what's my job my job is to help others do how best. are they going to be successful if you don't ever tell them the truth yeah well, and again, we're going to ground that. I'm going to ground that from my perspective and the affection I feel, the genuine affection yeah. I feel in my team uh, that we've talked about before. Right. So, Seth, Seth, as always, uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great, Ken. I love, as I said before, I really love these conversations. It's a lot more fun doing it this <laughs> it's way. It's a lot more fun doing it together. Um, uh, speaking of grinding, though, I, uh, I finished the book. And it's like I am so excited about it. It's looking great. Um, and it's coming out soon. So uh, if you want to know more about it, I know you did a lot of help, Ken, in reading the copies and like giving me feedback on it. So I appreciate that. And it's coming out. So you can find out about it um, on my website, Seth at Seth Rigoletti, sorry, SethRigoletti.com and it's not personal.net. You can do that. You know, we can have it linked both of those places. And, yeah, or they and, can email you at Seth at SethRigoletti.com. Or they can email me. <laughs> That's where we're going. Yeah. Um, no, and yeah, the podcast is available. You know, we have all of season one, all the episodes to date uh, on It's Not Personal.net, Spotify, Apple Podcast, yes, wherever you get yeah, your content. Wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we love hearing from you. Yeah. Um, you can email either of us, Seth at SethRigoletti.com or Seth at It's Not Personal.net or Ken at It's Not Personal.net. Yeah. Um, but we love your feedback. We love your comments. Leave Please, comments. Thank you so much. Thank for you those so that much. Been providing feedback uh, and sharing what you want us to talk about or the comments on the discussions we've had to date. Thanks, Seth. Ken. Thanks. I look forward to our next discussion. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.